Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Have you ever have you ever been led through like the the viewpoints ringer? I've never done any practical work. No. Oh my god. How have you I it, this was like literally my 15th time. <laughs> really (laughs) yeah and it is you know my like my personal acting philosophy is very pragmatic it's like yeah you have a face and a body and a voice and you move through the space using that and like yep you can think things if that helps you get to the places but that's not what the audience sees they see your face they hear your voice they see your body and like yep so whatever you do to get there fine whatever um, which is what, like, not to discredit something like viewpoints or like method acting or whatever that helps mm-hmm. other people get in those places. Um, but viewpoints, yeah, it's a bit of a cult. <laughs> yeah, just a tiny bit. But, you know, if you want to sponsor us viewpoints, we'll take it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess. We can, we'll feature the ghost of Anne Bogart on, uh, yeah. <laughs> on our podcast. We'll devote like a whole... A whole week. And Bogart uh, April? Does that work? No. And Bogart really. April. Man, put it on your calendars, folks. We don't know what we're doing yet, but and Bogart April. Yep. It's coming up. We've got just under a year to prepare. Will, we? will somebody get us another drink? Welcome to Jim and Tomic's Musical Theatre Happy Hour, your weekly podcast with dance belts and dandelion and burdock. Listeners, you need to know the first thing Jimmy did was apologize to me about this sentence. <laughs> I know, and I and I'm going to apologize to you too, listeners. Dandelion, the do you, I mean, do you have it? Do you even have it? Dandelion and burdock is that like? Yeah, it's, it is a drink. That sounds like the Scottish drink of the fairies in the Highlands. I I mean, like, it kind of is. It's actually more. It's more English than Scottish. Okay. Um, and it's kind of like. Uh, I guess it's a tiny little bit like Dr. Pepper with like more aniseed in it. Huh. Okay. It's not good. That doesn't sound appealing. <laughs> no, but <laughs> some people love it. And I think it's 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 pretty much like black. Huh. Um so, so they So go, it's a scary looking drink too. Yeah. Get a good <laughs> swig of that while you're in your dance belt. <laughs> I don't know. Um, right, I'm intrigued about this one. What are you drinking today? Um, <laughs> uh, today, my drink is filled with broken shards of glass. 
I find it really helps um, me experience the full-bodied flavor of my beverage. Of your dandelion and burdock. <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, mine is mine is just full to the brim of the, the sweat from my brow and the sweat from others' brows. Mm. Um, just lots of sweat. That made a lot more sense than mine. <laughs> I don't know, though. I don't think either of us really win. But, no, no, I mean, yeah. is it, off the top of my head, is there any beverages mentioned in this at all, Mojo? I don't think the, so. I mean, once we figure out, the sh- once we tell people <coughs> the show, this will become very obvious. But this show, I think, is either a set designer's dream or nightmare. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, well, hey, Tommy, what is it? Well, our quiz question from last week was about... My favorite gay bar in Chicago, where on Mondays yep. they play musicals, because why not? Um, and people I mean, shout yeah. back at the musicals like you would do at Rocky Horror or a showing of The Room. And when they play the finale to this musical, all the patrons chant, fall, 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 yay! When one of the performers eventually falls down. What show could it be? <gasps> It's a chorus line! A five, six, seven, eight! So I think I'm the happiest and most excited I've ever been. Do you like this musical, Jimmy? Yes. Do would you, you call would you call this your favorite musical? <laughs> I mean, it for me it literally goes Wonderland, a chorus line. That's as, it. As it does for many of us. Wonderland is right. high up there. <laughs> um is it my favorite? No, but it's consistently in my top ten. Okay. Like it's never left. Yeah. So therefore it's you know, yeah. Yeah. It's I up could there. see that. I, I don't yeah. I try not to pick favorites, but this is a yeah, show exactly. I find few flaws with, you know? Right. Like, it's, yeah. it's it's condescending to call something a perfect musical, but I think this comes really close to just being exactly everything it needs to be and nothing more and nothing less. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited to talk about <laughs> it. I am like, this is... Ah, it's like a weird dream come true, even though I've never had the dream of talking about this. But, like, <laughs> you will, I don't know, you will I'm, tonight. So, I'm, like, weirdly giddy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so let's talk about it. We yeah. have music by the wonderful Mr. Marvin Hamlish. Marvin Hamlish, who's written a whole bunch of stuff. We have lyrics by Mr. Edward Kleban. And we have the book by Mr. James Kirkwood Jr. and Nicholas Dante. Dante don't. Dante. Yeah. Dante, who knows? Who knows? And, yeah. Whoop. And I, uh, I scared myself. <laughs> that was cute. I was scared because the show is directed and choreographed by Michael Bennett. 
Yes. And you should be scared and yeah. posed. It's kind of a <sighs> scary, scary, imposing human being. As um, all but the this best show, ones are. This show played forever. It opened in the summer of 1975 yeah. and closed in 1990. Yeah, man. Yeah. Which is, for, for a show like this, for a show that's not something like Phantom of the Opera, that's not something that, uh-huh. like Les Mis, this is not a big epic narrative tale. This is... Especially when it came out in 75, you know, this is art. Not that the other things aren't art, but like this is art mm. with a capital A. Yeah, um, it's, it's real, man. It's like real. <laughs> it's more more to say it's not like touristy. Um, it's not really <laughs> terribly feel good. That's a long yeah. run for this kind of show. Totally. It's, it, it's, like, it's like a proper piece of theater. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah? Yeah. It's like a musical that- play in art yeah <laughs> totally Ab- absolutely absolutely um we got it over here shortly after um in 1976 mm-hmm. um it beasted all the awards i think it won like nine tonys including best musical yeah it won nine tonys as director it, of the of its nominations apart from some shared actor noms the only one it was nominated for that it lost was best costume design um, mm-hmm. so it was almost a sweep yeah yeah, and also, you know, I've got stuff to say about that because I would say the costume design, really good. <laughs> right? Yeah, but, but hey, that's we'll fine. That's fine. <laughs> um, so, what is a chorus line, Tommy? Oh man, a chorus line. I would qualify a chorus line as one of the first. Okay, one of the first. You're going to be angry at me about this. I think a chorus mm-hmm. line is one of the first musicals to be properly about an idea as opposed to a narrative story. And the reason I think you're going to be angry at me about this is because Hair came out in 67. Um, right. And I, But also, when did Company come out? Mm. 70. And you've said that in a video. You can't, you can't go back and then that. That's true. I might have dug myself a hole I'm going to save you from yourself. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, Company 70. Okay, maybe not the first. Well, Company... Yeah. No, let's I'm, no let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Wait, well, so, are we ready to talk about things? Well, t- no. Tommy, I'm going to put it in a pin. I'm going to chuck right. that pin forward all right, 10 you put, minutes. You put that pin up there. But, let's talk about what the show is. Exactly. <laughs> let's summer. do that first. Cuz that is that's an interesting discussion what you've got there all right. that little pin. Yeah. Um so a chorus line is um a show that is an audition mm-hmm. um to be part of uh, Broadway director Zach, um, his new show, uh, and it's about what the dancers have to do to basically get a part in that show. Yeah, and it's a chronicling of that audition process, and to the I think the wrench that fictional director Zach throws in the works is that he really wants to know the personal lives and personal stories of these dancers, which then yep. come to life in a way that only musical theater can do. Exactly. Um, because he's got a few small roles um, that demand a bit of acting, and he kind of doesn't expect them to be actors because they're dancers, which is a whole mm-hmm. kind of kettle of fish in those days. Um, and so he just wants to find the real them and to see if they can just be human he doesn't want them to perform he wants them just to bring it down yeah um and and be human 
and we delve um, into and the personal stories and personal trials and tribulations of pretty much everyone in yeah. unique and individual ways. Yeah, exactly. You do find out about some more than others, but everyone gets a good a good dollop yeah. of of character in there. Yeah. Um and we see it all the way from the the first kind of cattle call style cut down all the way through to the actual casting. Um yeah. there's nothing and, like it. Yeah. And then it culminates in the final number one, which is we will absolutely talk about this because the ending of the mm-hmm. show, I think, is one of the most melancholy in the world. Um, mm-hmm. But after hearing the moving, unique, diverse, like absolutely riveting individual stories of all these people, they all come on yeah. stage in the same costume and dance in unison in a chorus line with no yep. personality and none of that there. As you Not would. Tits and teeth. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. As was the reality. But that's, that's what they do for love, Tommy. It's, yes. Um, yes, sir. Okay. I think let's get straight into this because we've got a lot to talk about today. Yeah. Um, so, a musical about an idea? Let's Not talk. To <laughs> well, then to me. That everyone is beautiful at the valley. I might be unpacking this a little bit in my mind. I think that's fine. That's fine. These are good moments. To its to its success, a chorus line maybe did a musical about an idea, the concept musical, successfully and marketably for the first time. Company did mm-hmm. not play for very long. Hair was bizarre. Um, mm-hmm. A chorus line is was a pop culture success, um, mm-hmm. and is about. There's not a protagonist. There's not. You know, we, we certainly certainly characters have arcs, but we're not following that traditional mountain storyline. It's not rising axe action, climax, falling action, all that junk. It's like yep. this is different in a way that I mm-hmm. would say even like where company pioneered that idea and hair had the kind of like bizarre late 60s, early 70s tribe musical going for it. Like yeah. company still is a series of vignettes is a series of individual short plays with kind of 
the ghost of Bobby floating between them. Whereas a chorus line mm-hmm. is very truly uh, like a montage that's about the whole, you know, the whole gestalt of the whole thing and how it all feels together. Mm-hmm. And we're not, you know, there is no Bobby in a chorus line. There is no like mm-hmm. one person who thematically ties all these things together. It's going to an art gallery instead of looking at one individual picture. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally, I would totally give you that. I would hundred percent give you that. I think, I don't know. I feel it's, this is, it's interesting. If someone on Reddit recently, um, uh, it was discussing about me liking stuff from the seventies, mm-hmm. um, and it it's it's so true. I adore yeah. it. I adore yeah. it because I feel like not only was it the first time a lot of things happened. Mm-hmm. You know, we've just mentioned three stunningly sensational musicals. Yeah, um, but it's kind of stuff that we've never seen again. Yeah. Do you know what and I mean? Things, yeah, that's true. And certainly things that, like, we've pulled bits and pieces out of, but, mm-hmm. and we we will talk about this later, um, you know, you see revivals of A Chorus Line, and it, there's something it's missing. There's some energy from the 70s that is not there that, like, we just exactly. can't grasp somehow, even if it's exactly the same show and you're copying the choreography one for one. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and it is really interesting, especially with the 2006. Like, why didn't the 2006, you know, play for, yeah. uh, what, 15 years, 16 yeah. years? Um, who knows? Who knows? Um, like, so, I mean, the idea of the, the, the show as in, like, being a musical about an idea, I don't know, because I think what it really, really is, is just it's extremely human. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas... With something like um, Company, less so with Hair, which is definitely just a big question mark. Right. Um, with something like Company, the the humans there are less human. They're much more... They're not caricatures, but yeah, they're but- more... Archetypes, I guess. Is that yeah, the right still, word? Or avatars still or something like that? characters, if not characters. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, whereas, and we'll get into the origins of the show in, in a little minute, but... Um, with chorus line, it's it's so human. Like yeah. it's it's the humanist of human. It's we're talking like domestic suburban storylines here. Yeah. It's like um, em- empathy. The show, like you, yeah. you yeah, exactly. cannot help but like people love this show who have never once stepped foot on a stage or even thought about it. Um, yeah, which I, exactly. I think speaks to it highly. And I will say, I do think a chorus line would have never happened had company and hair not happened. I think there is mm. a, some very specific progression and through lines you can draw in that small subsection of musical theater history from like the late sixties through the end of the seventies of like for sure experimentation and growing and building. And like there are, you know, there are all these yeah. tiny acting troops and acting cabals in New York yeah. that are experimenting with new things that, the grand result i think we see is a chorus line it is i do also think it's kind of a capstone on an era of a particular kind of musical theater like we haven't seen a tribe musical like that until you know shit and pour one out for a great comet um Mm -hmm. and like it's you know a different era at that point yeah um yeah, and I guess it's it's interesting to note Michael Bennett was the choreographer for Company. Like, mm. was he seeing some? You know, he was there in the front line. Yeah, was he seeing something and being like, "God, this is really kind of cool." This is because one of the things. So Michael Bennett always talks about the fact 
that um so he started off as a dancer he was a gypsy as well mm-hmm. and oh just as a preface note when i say gypsy i'm talking about the dancing the, from theater it, to theater good, not derogative good slur yeah we Bobby. might need to do some vocabulary searching in the future there so yeah so that's he started off um as a dancer then got into choreography with a mm. uh, company promises promises and then um what he always said is he always wanted to be a director, I think he said it in his Tony speech. Yeah. Um, that he always wanted to be a director and this was his first time. Yeah. Um, and you can totally see that thing of where he, I can just see him being in company, just being like, this is really good, yeah. but I've got more. Like, I can yeah. do yeah. better. Do you yeah. know? <laughs> and it, I like, I can, I can give it a like new a, flair. There's a bigger picture, which, you know, when, when we write our co-thesis together, maybe we'll finally put all these pieces together. But yeah. of the grand progression of musical theater from the kind of like separate, you know, it used to be a point where like you had a director who directed the acting scenes and then the singers might learn their songs on their own and they might even be different Mm -hmm. people in the show to seeing the integration of, you know, director across the whole thing or like director choreographer and like slowly doing these kind of, integrated musicals in that kind of sense and Mm -hmm. this is you know this is a one small turning point on that grand progression towards the kind of contemporary musical we have now where it's a big mishmash exactly yeah because i feel like it's really easy to compare to someone like um jerry robbins Mm -hmm. uh who's you know another massive director choreographer um but where i feel that they really differ is that i feel like jerry robbins is there to really deliver a show yeah. And a really good spectacle. You know, something like West Side Story is just like a feast, like a musical yeah. theater feast. Whereas I feel like with Michael Bennett, mm-hmm. um, because you know, other big thing he did was Dream Girls. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like what he is really into is telling a story. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The the real director's job he yeah. is is there to tell a story. Yeah. Um and it seems there's more because like I would certainly never say that the choreography in West Side Story is inappropriate, but the uh-huh. you know when you know we're like in the second dance break of cool or something i wonder how much we're serving the content of this emotional journey we're going on right now mm-hmm. um yeah and like certainly yeah. we're we're creating something there but you watch a chorus line and it's you know it's you you can't see the pieces in the puzzle anymore yeah exactly exactly you just see them either fighting or you see them being awkward or you see them ah it's just it's just so good it's so good like i'm so excited this is weird i don't know (laughs) this is a sad moment in my life it's a happy moment musical theater is amazing that's why we do a musical theater podcast i was talking about sad as in like alan partridge (laughs) you won't get that reference no no but i laughed out of courtesy
so let's talk a little bit about how it all began. How in how the beginning. Um, and it's re- again, uh-huh. it's really interesting. <laughs> it is really interesting. Yeah, as as I um, think the best pieces of art are. You know, I think yeah. the best the best pieces of art start out as accidents. Yeah, totally. No, I completely agree. Completely agree. Um, so basically, um, we let's go back. We're in the seventies, um, and dancers are dancing away. Uh, but kind of not really getting, I guess, the recognition that they they want. They're kind of getting ba- badly treated. Yeah, um, by still, equity, by directors. They're they're still kind of propping up the the, the leads. There's a separation there, and this is this is where yeah. my history is not too great. But I wonder when that happened because, you know, not that like dancers in musical theater were ever exalted, but it does mm-hmm. seem like a 60s, 70s thing. Yeah, I think so. Because, like, I mean, I guess someone like West's story might not be the best example. But I, mm-hmm. if you were, if you were a um, a, sh- a jet girl in yeah. West Side Story, you're propping up the scenery. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? In the same way, if you were a shark boy, you were pretty much propping up the scenery as well. That's true. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it just stems from from the origins of musical theatre. We're not mm-hmm. that far away from it um, right. when it was you know, vaudeville, and it was, oh, look at these lovely pretty dancers, look mm. how much they're adding, blah, 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 blah. Um, so what, um, basically, it was a, a guy called Tony Stevens mm-hmm. um, and a lady called Michelle Peacock um, basically decided to get a group of dancers together to form effectively like a rep company mm-hmm. um, where they were going to, like, make their own work basically Mm -hmm. make things that would suit them and suit dancers um and they invited along Mm. how very 60s 70s of them (laughs) right exactly exactly (laughs) um and they so they invited along kind of all of their dancer friends that they would know from auditions or from other shows um and we're talking like some really really big names here Mm -hmm. um and among them was michael bennett um and he well, basically, so one of their first sessions, um, they kind of got together uh, and uh, I think Tony Stevens, like, led them through this, like, dance class. Mm-hmm. And they were all a bit like, this isn't what, you know, this isn't what we were wanting. We, we come to here to, like, change things and now we're yeah. just d- dancing again. Um, and they started to get a little bit pissed off. Uh, and then Michael Bennett walks in with Donna McKechnie. Um, and and a cloud they, of that smoke. also kind of... Yeah, exactly. Just how we are here. Um, but that also kind of pissed them off as well because these were all chorus kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and here was Donna McKechnie who had, you know, just starred in Promises, Promises. Um, but uh, basically he sat them all down in a massive circle. Um, and it's interesting, we're talking about adults here. Uh, they had some like really crappy red wine. Um, mm-hmm. They got kind of high because it's the 70s. It's so the we're 70s. allowed um and basically he got them to tell their stories and he recorded them um and it started off with him getting them to just like go around a circle say where they're from what their name is what their stage name is how old they are um and literally from that moment a chorus line was born yeah and it's um, it's not hard to connect the dots i mean other than writing Not the music all. and a little editorializing here and there, 
mm-hmm. what you're watching is perhaps that workshop. Yeah, yeah, oh, com- completely. Um, like the the way it kind of worked. Um, I mean, so after the after, I think there ended up being a couple of sessions where mm-hmm. where you take them. But after that first one, apparently, it was like this mad like group therapy session and uh they were you know they were crying and people were really opening up here Mm -hmm. Um, and they all kind of left in that way that you do when you have these things where you just like everyone was changed that day yeah um and they didn't know i mean at that time they didn't know that it was going to become a show michael Bennett just kind of had this idea that it could be um and obviously it eventually did he took it to his producer um and yeah, after I think listening to it for a couple of hours, was like, yes, let's do it. Um, and on, on they went, basically. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's some of it is literally verbatim. This in many ways is the first kind of verbatim musical. Yeah. We've not, I mean, I say verbatim musical, like there's 50,000 of them, but right. I can name you maybe one. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's something it, that... Yeah, it's interesting to me that it didn't, start a trend because there's plenty of <laughs> verbatim and derived like plays and theatrical works yeah where, you know can't throw a stone without hitting one um but you don't there seems to be this conceit that musicals have to be really particularly created and structured and can't come out of you know the accident of existence um mm-hmm. and because everyone's forgotten the chorus line i don't know <laughs> I, yeah i don't know i don't know either i mean because i guess like the first verbatim or the next verbatim musical that i can think of mm-hmm. um is london road which you know came to the national theater in 2008 or something yeah, like that the wildly um, popular london road that tommy knows right, all about. exactly exactly <laughs> um i mean i must say i'm excited for us to do a london road podcast because that's <laughs> another one that jimmy's very happy about um but and it's you know they they take verbatim theater to the nth level but that, this was the start this was the first time that this had ever really been done with musical yeah. theater um and it totally worked yeah um so it's really interesting um, kind of finding out a little bit about how it all went down with um, legalities. Mm-hmm. Because obviously once it all started kicking in and once things started taking shape, um, basically uh, what everyone kind of, I think everyone sort of waved their, their story mm-hmm. uh, for a dollar. Um, which is so silly. Um, but uh, I think once it started to pick up speed a bit more, mm-hmm. um, the and once they started doing their workshop, because that was the thing, um, this was the first time a show ever did a workshop. Yeah, crazy. Which I find, again, so interesting. Like, yeah. this is something that we now just, it's commonplace. Like, a mm-hmm. show will workshop. Yeah. It will invite the press. It's, there's all it whole will... sorts of industries based around musical theatre workshops now. Literally. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so here we are, workshopping musical for the first time. Um, and nobody kind of knew how that would impact things. You know, here's, here are people who are originating roles, technically, not mm-hmm. on a stage, but in a room. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think from... From once the show had opened on Broadway, um, 
Michael Bennett himself gave uh, like a cut to everyone from that original workshop from his mm-hmm. own paycheck, which mm-hmm. was huge. So it's fine. Yeah. Um, but that's really, really nice. And so, the, you know, here we are getting into the legalities of workshops, which we, we've kind of seen recently with Hamilton, I think, kind of kicked up a little storm was about... That, yeah, there's been, I mean... Was know, it Hamilton? Hamilton, they've held a magnifying glass to everything, so I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. But there's been, you know, this sort of, it's It's interesting to talk about where a piece of art begins and because yeah. United States... <laughs> artistic and copyright law is so Mm -hmm. strange in a lot of ways. Um, Yeah. How that all kind of, like, I don't think you would have such ease creating something like a chorus line in 2017 um, Mm -hmm. without some really hefty legal papers. Maybe that's the reason there isn't more derived musical theater. It has nothing to do with creativity and has more to do with, you know, complex things like lawyers but then I guess, because, you know, like like we said, with verbatim plays, mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's a gazillion of them. Yeah. And they all exist and, you know, and do just not fine. everyone and who's, who's, you know, contributed to that. So I guess it's just like, you sign that waiver, you sign that waiver. Yeah. Um, so whether, I don't know, all these people with musicals come to these people are just like, no, get that out of my face, <laughs> you're not right. out of my story. Yeah. This is mine, I'm mine alone. Who yeah. knows? Um. But yeah, I just think is a kind of origin story of a musical. Mm. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's already breaking ground and yeah. it's not even opened yet. Yeah. You know, that's just, yeah. oh, so special. Yeah. Well, and it speaks to, you know, the, you read about other kind of concept musicals and producers raising an eyebrow or theaters being like, mm, is this going to work? And it does very much seem like people were like, Oh yeah, okay. this is a good idea. This is something we should mm-hmm. do. This seems like it will be yeah. successful and popular and new and interesting and different. And yes, yeah. let's do it. Exactly. I think that's it. I think in the seventies, people were just much more up for saying yes yeah. and not thinking like yes, but how much is this going to make me? Or right. mm, maybe what's the you know what's the angle? What's your hook? Um, yeah. Then you could just be like, Michael, I understand you're extremely talented go for it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, you've got Marvin Hamlet. She's won Oscars. Yeah, go for it. Just do it. Like, let's get back to those days, please. Do you know what I mean? That's how it should work. (laughs) If only. Maybe doing this podcast will prompt that. Maybe someone will listen out there and realize. It keeps happening. We got to start sneaking in, like, personal gains into our, like... Yeah, I know. We're being very selfless. Time time and space manipulation. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still I'm still yet to win a Tony. Yeah. Oh. Ooh. Uh, uh. <laughs> maybe tomorrow. Um maybe. Who knows? But it is a thing. Yeah, someone again, someone on Reddit uh said that we Was it uh, um... like caused shows to open. Yeah. Like we caused we caused City of Angels to open regionally. Yeah. You're welcome. And, you and know it's, it's totally confirmation bias, but don't tell Jimmy. It's fun to think about it this way. No, exactly. I know. What is it called? The Bayerk? What's the the? No, Bayern it's not. It's not Bader Meinhof because it's no. That's the con- thing. It's confirmation bias. You notice when it happens, okay. and then all the music, all the podcasts we've done about isn't musicals that, where nothing happened, no one. Isn't that Bayer Meinhof? No, that's when you learn about something and then immediately start hearing about it all the time. Every time. That's yeah. kind of the same thing. Yeah, which means for most people right now, they're going to hear about Bader Meinhof for like the next week. 
And I think I mispronounced yeah, exactly. it, but it's something like that. Yeah, it's something like that. Something like off. Um, and so that's like the Mandela effect and all that nonsense. Yeah, the, the yeah, Bernstein cool. Bears. Yeah, yeah, it was a pile of crap. Although I must say, the first time that I found out about that, uh-huh. I was obsessed. And I was like, oh my god, we have multiple universes and they're collapsing. <laughs> and then I realized it's a pile of shite. But, <laughs> you know. It's like to die. Left the theater and called the doctor for my appointment to buy tits and ass. Bought myself a fancy pair. Tightened up the derriere. Did the nose with it. So Tommy, so Jimmy. Fun fact: mm-hmm. Guess who's been in a chorus line? Um, hmm. Are they in this Skype call? <laughs> yes. It was me, wasn't it? It wasn't me. <laughs> By the way, this is where I find out that you played, you know, Connie at one point. Yes, actually, like I I had a brief <laughs> starring role as Mirror Number Two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, who'd, um, you, who'd you play in a chorus line? So I played Larry, um, and I was also uh, dance captain and assistant director. Ooh. In many ways, by the way, Chorus Line was the thing that made me want to direct. Ooh. I owe Chorus Line everything? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> you know? Kind of. Um, so yeah. Um, and I think that is one of the reasons why I love it so much, because... Not because, like, just because, like, I owe it so much, but just yeah. because um, it it really, it was the first show that I was able to, like, properly sink my teeth into. Yeah, um, well, of course. Because I had that little creative element to it. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, you know, we talk all all the time, but this is, this is an every theater person's dream because it's a theater person's show about theater. Yeah, yeah. What's, what's not to exactly. love? Exactly. Exactly. So it is just like chock full of these completely, like we said already, relatable, but mm-hmm. also interestingly timeless characters. Yeah. I have. Yeah. Thoughts. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, there's definitely elements and I can probably anticipate what you're even going to well, say. I don't think this, I think this show on its face is very timeless. Um Yep. I often think about that on, like, very explicit kind of levels. Like, there aren't any rotary phones in this show. Like, there are right. very there are no plot devices in this show that are dated. Um, you yeah. know, no one needs to wait for their facts to arrive. Like, you get things like that that, you know, can date mm-hmm. a show. Um, it's more, and as I mentioned, and who knows, maybe we'll talk about it an hour later, um, but revivals of this show don't do well. And so, mm-hmm. to me... I think the characters are timeless. I think the situation is timeless. I think the mm-hmm. original production will live forever, but mm-hmm. something about attempting to recreate that gets lost, which to yeah. me is anti-timeless, but I don't, you know, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what that word is. Anti-timeless, I think, works. Yeah. I'm going to, yeah, let's keep it. Awesome. End it. Done. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, I know what you mean. I do know what you mean. But I think the thing that I find really interesting is that if you watch any footage from uh, the closing night on Broadway, mm-hmm. and it's it's the same, but you're like, yeah. oh my god, this has literally been running for fifteen years, and like the amount of like changes that have gone through in fashion mm-hmm. and like kind of personal attitude yeah. um, between 1975 and 1990. Like, oh my goodness. Yeah. And it's and like, so strange to kind of watch it and be like, it's like a weird time capsule yeah. almost. Well, and I think that's one of the problems with this show. I also think this is the contemporary problem of some of the touring productions that are going through America of Rent right yeah. now. Um, right, okay. We're We're in the time period dip for those sorts of things. Um, yeah. Like for something like Rent, nowadays is very explicitly set in the 90s. Um, mm-hmm. it, it has to be about the 90s, but was it was contemporaneous. It was yeah. just about the time it was written in. Um, Absolutely. And we're just on the cusp now where Rent can finally be a period piece again. Um, yeah. Where we're not singing about the issues of today, we're singing about the issues of then. Um, yep. And I think there's an in-between point for some shows where it needs to get far enough away from its time period so that it becomes relevant again. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think, I wonder, maybe, if one of the difficulties of A Chorus Line is that because it is so timeless, like, I envision a designer's meeting where we have a long, extensive conversation of whether or not we dress people in 70s-looking clothes. You know? Yeah. And yeah. I don't know the answer to that. I don't I know. Mean, yeah. Because I think if you think, if you look at the 2006 revival, mm-hmm. and if you look at their design, or certainly the costume design, yeah. they really go easy on the 70s. Yes. Um, I think it's just with uh, someone like Bobby, who's wearing mm-hmm. his, his sweater and shirt, yeah. I feel like that's very 70s there. Yeah. Um, and Zach always looks a bit 70s. Yeah. In a kind of similar uh, outfit. But everyone else. <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? And certainly in that production, you're like, hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. But weirdly, they stick They stick to really similar colours. They stick to similar yeah. um, like pieces. Right. As the original. Yeah. Um, and and it's 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 dancewear at the end of the day. Yeah, it is dancewear, and dancewear hasn't changed much. And like certainly in twenty seventeen, yeah. the seventies are back. Um, you know, especially like mm-hmm. that kind. You know, we're not talking harem pants and shiny shoulder pad zoot suits. Like yeah, you know, it. They, we're not going all out there. Like this is pretty low key seventies. But then yeah, like the question I have is, does this show need to be set in the seventies? Probably not. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, like we said, it's a timeless story. Yeah. Um, The only, I mean, literally the only thing stopping that from happening are the references. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, like there are some subtle uh, contemporaneous references. (laughs) Robert Goulet. um, (laughs) June Allison. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know, do you still have Trailways buses? Uh, probably not but so then like okay but then i think you know the the underlying question is and this is yeah let's let's we're, we'll jump around a bit but let's talk about the revival a little bit um okay yeah like when you do the revival because the original production was so well lauded and was so big mm-hmm. how much do you recreate that 
and how yeah. much do you do your own thing? And then, yeah. you know, there's certainly a motivation for your show to be a recreation of the last show that was so successful for the people who saw it or the people who heard about it. But then mm-hmm. there's something dishonest about that because the original show was not made to be a copy of anything. Yeah. Yeah, that's really true. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I guess like the case studies to look at are uh, the 2006, uh, mm-hmm. which was choreographed by uh, Bayork Lee, who's yeah. the original Connie, mm-hmm. um, and worked you know closely with Michael Bennett all through his career, um, and has kind of helmed you know she's helmed the tours, she's helmed most of the professional productions. Yeah, she knows the um, show. She does, um, and she is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, like she is a marvelous, exquisite woman. Eat nails the amount of times <laughs> I see that now because of her. Um, and she sticks very true to the original. You know, yeah. it's that original step, kick, kick, leap, kick, turn again. Um, and then recently, and very recently, mm-hmm. uh, we had is it the money, the muni? The Muni, the I think, but I've mispronounced the La Jolla and a whole bunch of other ones, so who okay. knows? Regional theatres, why are you so difficult yeah. to pronounce? Yeah, just right? call yourself, like, the theatre. <laughs> anyway, the big old outdoor theatre, um, <laughs> for their uh, 99th anniversary season, uh, did a production of A Chorus Line. Mm-hmm. And one of the kind of key things about it was that it was completely revamped mm-hmm. um, choreographically. Uh, and I guess it's you just, you look at you look at the two of them and you work out what works, what doesn't work. Yeah. Because I think, I don't know, the, the dance, the dance in it, is very 70s. Yeah. Well, it's all, I think the dance in it feels ish. Sacrosanct. Like, y- yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. It feels, you, it's the choreography in a show about dance. Yeah, and exactly. Can you change it? I mean, clearly you can, but like, yeah. should you is a yeah. hard question to even ask. You know, I would be nervous to bring that question up in a production meeting. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like, takes proper balls for the guy who's like, yeah, I can do it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? To be like, yeah. Because are you saying it better or are you just saying I can do it differently? Right. And then why would you do it differently? Because the original is so great. Like, it's it's interesting because if you watch the trailer to to the Muni one, um, it, it just it just looks weird. You're just like, yeah. you're not doing it right. I think it goes beyond it goes beyond choreography too. Cause like the, the yeah. 2006 Broadway revival, um, like he I don't know there are no recorded taps in I Can Do That. And I believe uh-huh. I don't know if he didn't tap, but certainly not in the recording. Um mm-hmm. And it really bothers me. <laughs> right, yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. It really bothers me. And I don't usually get that with revival recordings. I'm usually uh-huh. like, oh, oh, different. How fun. How exciting. But with a chorus line, I notice the little changes. I notice the little differences. I notice that the 2006 dancer singers are somehow better singers than the 1970s yeah. dancer singers, which is not a yeah. surprise. And I like Except it. in the case of Charlotte Dambois going down the octave on... Yeah. Um, those stage and movie people yeah, got there because they're special. 
there's a couple changes that are maybe for the best. Yeah. But a lot of them, I'm like, I don't know if this is better. But it's, you know, I also normally detest that kind of like, oh, well, it's not the original, so it's not good. Yeah, exactly. I know. Um, and because I, I, when, um, like, Hoffa Schechter started to re-choreograph um, Fiddler, uh, Fiddler yeah. I was like, yes, this is the best thing ever. And I love what he did because mm-hmm. he went to, you know, the nth degree with it. He totally transformed yeah. it. Yeah. Um, whereas I feel like this one at the Muni, certainly, yeah. it's still just jazz. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's still... You know, he's not, he's yeah. not transformed it. He's yeah. not taken well, it to a different place. Like think, they did interesting things, but right. And I, I think it speaks to the structure of the show because Fiddler yeah. is a great example. The dance yeah. in there, or maybe as we mentioned, West Side Story, is an expression of the underlying story, an interpretation mm-hmm. of it, another way in, another way to like feel it. And so already we're going through one lens to get there. Like, Fiddler yeah. on the Roof is not a story of dance. Um, yep. But because so much of a chorus line is explicitly and viscerally tied to the existence of dance, mm-hmm. it, bec- it becomes a part of the story. It feels like changing the dance is like rewriting the lyrics. Yeah. To- um, yeah, totally. And I guess, weirdly... If you do change the dance too much, you would have to rewrite the lyrics because yeah. the choreography is yeah. written into the I mean, lyrics. That's how explicitly <laughs> it is, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, you're never um, going to get different choreography for that opening number because uh-huh. it's in the script. Yeah, uh-huh. and that's the thing is, it's like, I, I do find this quite interesting is that how far can you push it using just, you know, step, kick, kick, leap, kick, touch again. Like, what does that mean and how can that look? And obviously it can look a gazillion different ways. Um, But I think, I don't know, I guess that's quite fun for a choreographer and a director to work out what your your step, kick, kick, leap, kick, touch looks like. Yeah, exactly. And then just being like, do you know what? Let's just do the original because it's really good. Yeah. It's just great. Um, so I don't know. What does this mean? Does this mean? Does this mean you can't change it? You shouldn't change it. I think it puts or a chorus if you're line. Change it. It puts a chorus line in a very interesting place. Because mm-hmm. I think the other part of it is, you know, the other side of the coin is Bette Midler and Hello Dolly, um, mm-hmm. which. Oh, the back of my mind is telling me, but I don't actually remember. Wasn't Hello, Dolly not eligible for... Is there a choreography revival category anyway? Um, uh, no. I it's think just best choreography. It's, it's just choreography? I might be wrong on this, but I seem to remember That's some hubbub. That's not true, Jimmy. No, I take that all back because Hoffa Schechter was nominated. And didn't I think it's, so. all, it's just all the choreography categories. Just everyone. Yeah, it's uh, not individual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I might be wrong on this, but I seem to remember some hubbub about Hello Dolly not being eligible for choreography because it's just the same. Um, Right, okay. And for something like Hello Dolly, I'm very like, okay, sure, that's fine. Mm -hmm. I don't really need a reinterpretation of The Waiter's Gallop, you know? Yeah. I I don't need a reinterpretation of Elegance. The original stuff is probably exactly just fine. And I will yeah. absolutely enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas like a chorus line, I'm torn in very, very 
in two very distinct directions between yeah. like, I would absolutely love to have been there in the seventies to see it. So please get me as close as possible with the thing you're doing Yeah. to on the other end, this is such an interesting and fantastic show. And I would love to see someone who can very accurate, you know, like do a very good and heartfelt job of reinterpreting the dance that's a part of this show and elevating mm. it or changing it or trying it or challenging it. Um, yeah. And I don't know what I want more. <laughs> I know it's really tricky. <laughs> I think I would like to see like a half a sector treatment of it just for yeah. someone to go in and just really shake it and up. throw everything out and like turn the expectations on their head. Yeah. Just kind of make it a bit weird maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's the uh, sort of show that could do that. You know, because yeah, it, it, it might all, not, it might totally fail, yeah. but but like half of it, it exists in limbo anyway. So, but it is yeah, you know, exactly like so many of these shows. We're never going to see a chorus line on the moon. Like, <laughs> there's... no, ah, sadly, <laughs> it's just waiting to be done. You know, <laughs> I guess here actually here's here's the the plea of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a like amateur group, right, has ever done it mm-hmm. uh and you mixed it up What'd and you, you think it's worthy of of my eyes should come and show it to us <laughs> but don't you dare show it to us if you change the words tits and ass because that is one of my biggest pet peeves in all oh my god theater. yes yes it's so sad like it's just the t- it's just tits we've all got them yeah some more than others <sighs> You know, we can't all be Val. <laughs> Sadly. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Five, six, One of the one of the characters I I kind of want to talk about in putting on our lovely contemporary spectacles right now is Paul. Oh, yes. Um. So for those of you who don't know the show, 
Paul is yeah exactly no less please Um, Paul is uh, a a young um, actor who kind of throughout the whole show has been very reserved and very shy Mm -hmm. Um, you know he he clams up when Zach asks him to kind of give a story and he's like why do we have to do that I don't want to I don't want to talk about my life like this isn't yeah. I want to do um and then his story kind of comes as as one of the kind of big climaxes in a way of, mm-hmm. of the show yeah um it's it's the last story that you hear yeah. that isn't cassie kind of um, this is, it's not a traditional story arc but were it a traditional story arc paul's would be the climax yeah definitely you know um it's the it's the kind of mystery yeah that's been brewing throughout the show and, and it comes out and it comes out as this like four page monologue oh. um which is is so sensational have you seen like, jason tam's audition yeah in every little step oh yeah first of all preface here go watch that you need to watch everything about the yeah. show but, but every little step is, is definitely worth seeing if you can't watch all of every little step google or youtube or we'll put it in the show notes probably yeah uh, yeah exactly jason tam's audition um, yeah. And he does Paul's monologue and then, of course, gets the part, which you will absolutely understand once you watch his audition. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it is, it's breathtaking. Yeah. So the the plot is that, what, Paul has gotten a job as a drag queen at a nightclub and hasn't told his parents. Um, yeah. Like, so ba- basically, uh, like when he was young, mm-hmm. um, he, the one thing he always struggled with was... Uh, being a man he didn't know how to be a man um and he wanted to get into dancing because he he knew he always liked that and he would go you hear like he would go to 42nd street with his dad and he'd go down to the front of the theater and other guys would touch him and that was how he knew he was gay um Hmm. but he just never knew how to be a man um so he starts uh, trying to get into show business um and they say to him, well, you're too short to be a boy, um, so you could be a pony. And he says, what's a pony? They say, well, it's a girl. And so they ask him to show him his legs mm-hmm. and uh, they end up shaving his legs and he becomes, yeah, a, a, a drag queen in this show. Yeah. Um, this kind of like seedy, you know, dirty burlesque style yeah. show. Yeah. And he um, does, I mean, the, you know, he loves it. He's so yeah. excited. Exactly. Um, and you find that uh, he's just about to go on tour, I think. Um, and uh, his parents are there in the show. Uh, and he, like, you know, his heart falls. Yeah. they've. Down, I believe they were supposed to meet him after the show, but they've arrived uh-huh. too early. And he sees them in the audience while he's in drag. Yep. Um, and his... As he passes his mom, he tries to get a hide and he passes his mom and she says, Oh my god. Um but they watch the show and afterwards they they stick around. Um and his mom says, you know, like take care of yourself, make sure you eat. Uh and his dad says to the producer, um, take good care of my son. And that's the first time he ever gets called that by mm-hmm. his dad, and then he breaks down. And everyone else breaks time because it's yeah. perfect. And, um, and when you watch Jason Tam's audition, everyone watching the audition breaks down. <laughs> like, yeah, 
I, I think yeah. it's one of the most moving pieces of non-sung um, writing in musical theater. Full yeah, stop. oh, 100%. 100%. Um, and again, there's, I don't think there's anything really like it in musical theater. You know yeah. what I mean? To that extent, to that depth and honesty. Yeah. Um, and apparently it's, it's pretty much verbatim to Nicholas Dante, who wrote the book, um, or one of the book writers, sorry. It's his mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty much verbatim to do that. So yeah. I, can't, I mean, just like hats off to this chap for being this vulnerable and, and, and yeah. honest yeah. Um, with his beautiful story. Um but I, so one of the things that I, I kind of wanted to talk about with it um, is how that story kind of looks in the 21st century, because obviously we, you know, it's, it's the 70s and now mm-hmm. we're here in the, the 10s. What do we call this decade? Uh, the the zeros were the, the aughts. Teens? Are the, the, the teens? Are, they, are we in the teens? Let's call it the, the teens. We're in our teens Feels like the te- this feels fun oh it feels God, like I'm it back. every day every day is a new adventure i don't know what tomorrow holds i feel all sorts exactly. of feelings about yeah it feels like my teenage yeah. years yeah it sounds about <laughs> right uh, so we're in the teens now and um i just find it really interesting this idea of him uh when he says i didn't know how to be a man and he mm-hmm. is able to embrace uh his life in the theater as a, as a a, a female performer mm-hmm. um and i just find it really i don't know kind of interesting to think like wow i wonder how this fits into yeah you know like what we know today well, about transgenderism how, and i have a how do you interpret paul's parents reactions at the stage door make sure you eat take good care of my son yeah um like positively i get like so it's i think it it comes as a surprise to him yeah um this is kind of the moment i almost feel like this was his defining moment where he was like this is okay that you do this um yeah but it's it's you know he doesn't say it doesn't you know Paul's dad doesn't say it to him. He says it to the producer, take good care of my son. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important to know. But I think, yeah, I think the thing that moves him so deeply is because it it comes as such a surprise to him. You know, he was dreading this and he was hiding this. Yeah. For so long. I mean, I've seen it played both ways in middle of the road. I've also seen it play, you know, it's like, Make sure you take, like, it's the sort of thing you say before you never see someone again. Um, yeah. And there is no explicit acceptance or unacceptance, maybe, yeah. depending upon interpretation. And I think it's why it's a well, well-written monologue is because yeah, exactly. there's interpretation and ambiguity and that's beautiful. Yeah. And, like, I think it's the sort of thing where, like, the actor might decide a thing but not play it fully so that the audience is still, you know, feeling mm-hmm. maybe both ways. Like, that's what makes good theatre. Yeah, for sure. And you don't know whether he's crying at the end because it's so emotional that, you know, because he's so sad because that was the end of their relationship or whether he's crying because it was the acceptance that he always wanted. It's, it's that yeah. that kind of ambiguity is there as well. Yeah. Um. And then to your point, I do think this, you know, the parallel of this kind of 
ambiguity and fear and maybe acceptance or maybe rejection in the 70s for gay men is there's a big parallel in the trans community nowadays. Um, yeah, totally. That is totally, you know, and like, please, no one should ever change this monologue. But it's mm. how how fascinating that that is a human feeling in a specific part of, you know, our existence that like this. It's really specific. It's really, you know, yeah. it's, it's not the like there's not anything general about it, but to see it come back in a couple different ways and some big societal ways. Yeah is neat i don't know is moving (laughs) yeah uh, it makes me feel things jimmy exactly exactly gosh that monologue is so good yeah also good luck to anyone ever performing paul because it's so long yeah it's just (laughs) and like learning things yeah it's so long and it's moving in itself but you gotta wait for it to be moving and yeah yep yep just a treat I say a treat. Go watch it. Pause the podcast. Um, go, go, go watch it. Yeah, yeah. Somehow, uh, she, uh, let's briefly talk about the movie. I don't want to talk about the movie too much. Um, yeah, just we're going to be real brief. Let's be real brief. The movie's um, not good. I mean, it's it's not it's not great, it's, but it like fills a hole. Yeah, it's so it came out ten years later, nineteen eighty five. It was directed by Richard yeah. Attenborough. Um, yeah. Interestingly. Um, yep. They Who said that it was uh, a film about uh, young actors trying to get a job, to which um, the actor playing Sheila was like, excuse me? <laughs> it's definitely not. Yeah. Um, so that just goes to show when your director doesn't even know what the play's about. Yeah. Um, I think, interestingly, maybe this is an answer to our question, a chorus line the film is set in 1985. Um, yeah. So they do contemporize it, but by a decade, which is like maybe not enough time. Um, yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Not that keeping it in the 70s might have saved it, but they do. They update a bunch of the music, and I think that's a big problem. Um, like not like the songs stay the same, but the underscoring is a... Uh, uh, well, the songs don't stay the same. That's one of the things I that guess pisses me off. Yeah, because they get rid of montage and they change it to this <sighs> bloody surprise song. I which blocked, is so weird. I blocked that out of my mind. It's so strange. Uh, it's really, really, really strange, and I don't understand why they did it. Because montage, as we're, we'll go into in a second, I think is perfect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I yeah. don't know. I mean, watch it because it will it will take a box. But watch it knowing that that isn't a chorus line. That's not the show. Yeah. But do watch it knowing that at the very, very end when they pan out and there's like a hundred dancers on stage in about the third row from the bottom on the right, there's this poor, poor short girl who in the long kick line section just runs out of breath and falls down. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they do it a lot. They do it for a long time. (laughs) <laughs> yes they do because it goes through all the like headshots as well and they're yeah. still well, kicking i'm gonna i'm gonna ruin your world jimmy um is it about, just like a gif <laughs> uh well about maybe one or two names into the credits after they've yeah. finished the crane out they actually it just bounces back and forth so it hits a well, at the top of go. a kick 
and then it goes in reverse for a couple kicks and then it goes in forward for a couple kicks and then it goes in reverse for a couple kicks and uh, it's the sort of thing if you're not looking for it you'd never notice but now that you know you yeah. can't help but see help me to prove that I'm strong give me the chance to look forward to saying hey listen they're playing my song live the music give me a chance to come through talk about the music let's talk about the music we've never even talked about the music yet it's one of the ah! it's i mean in a musical it's good it's quite good how can you go wrong it's like the second best part of the show from the dancing um yeah and maybe it's well one of my, one of my favorite parts of the show yeah definitely there's heaps of good in there yeah so i think do you know what i think um let's start with the big in first of yeah. all the biggie uh, I think what I did for love is one of like the biggest musical theater songs of all time. Yes, I think what I did for love is the appropriate, honest showbiz song. I spend a lot of my mm-hmm. time um, because I live in musical theater analysis world. Like, yeah, what imagery do you use to represent the concept of musical theater? It's hard because. Mm-hmm they're all so different and you get into mm-hmm. more like stage crafty things, which I don't think are totally appropriate. And even then that's kind of hard. I don't really think yeah. a bunch of lights on a catwalk accurately represents musical theater or even yeah. a marquee of light up lights. Although that is our logo, but like that's about as close as I think you can get in like a general way or like yeah. curtains. Um, and I feel that way yeah, about curtains a, is the one or the the um, old fashioned microphone. Weirdly enough, right? That gets weirdly, used quite a lot. yeah. Or that yeah. one clip art of like bizarrely shaped stage lights that shows up on every mm-hmm. stagecraft syllabus I've ever seen. Um, yep, Google it. Um, mm. But I feel that way about a lot of traditional theater musical theater songs. Things like mm-hmm. um, uh, another opening, another show. 
Um, there's no business like show business. Um, yep. Or like even more contemporary examples, show people from curtains. Like it's like, oh, isn't it so fun to do musical theater? Yeah. And oh, the show must go on. You know, and like. What a musical from something rotten. That's exactly. One that's like, kind of a newbie. Yeah. Don't don't get me wrong. I love them to death. But there's there's a uh, like a, an implicit dishonesty there um, mm-hmm. because I think there's no business like show business is not really the most accurate description. Um, Narrow. Like. There are other things like this that give people the same kind of passion and are as last minute feeling or important feeling. Um, but what I did for love talks about the sacrifice, but also understanding that it's kind of silly to think of it as a sacrifice. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, it stands yeah. closer to like something like applause from applause. Um, which yes, still is actually. closer closer to show people but more on the what i did for love size if we're if there's a spectrum yeah. there um yeah that's what that's, that's a great what, that's a great comparison actually yeah there's there's more honesty there i think yeah well i think that's it i think it's the just the most like pure honest song ever i just think it just, yeah, <laughs> just like yeah. it's just like it, it says everything it needs to say yeah um but one of the things i think that's the funniest thing uh-huh. is the producer and the lyric writer think it's awful <laughs> they hate it <laughs> they absolutely hate it so edward Kleben um mm-hmm. has in his um last will and testament i have i have the copy here <laughs> um i don't but i do have the quote um and he so at his funeral um, or at his um, memorial service, this this mm-hmm. was read out. He said, anyone who wants to play an instrument or to sing any songs or music, with the exception of the composition What I Did for Love, which I do not wish to be performed at my funeral, should also be allowed. <laughs> How funny, you wrote the lyrics to that. That's bitch. hilarious. There is, um, on, a, on a tangent, there is a fabulous musical that is perhaps a direct result of Edward Cleveland's Last Will and Testament. Um called a class right. act that is constructed yes. out of his trunk songs and some of course line songs and is it's a it's a post-mortem autobiography musical yeah it's really good a class act is fantastic and i'm very excited for us for us to do that yeah and it's got a lot of good insight into a course line but yeah i wonder you know i'd love to ask them why i do think a lot of it is um what i did for love does that pop song thing we're like, we know yeah. what it's about, but if you take it out of context, it could be about anything. Uh-huh. Well, that's the thing. is, it's, it, it can be taken out of contact, yeah. context. Um, and that's why Marvin Hamlish wanted it in. And that's why Marvin Hamlish wrote it, um, yeah. was because he, he the song needed a, a hit. Yeah. Um, and normally I'm like dead against all this stuff of being like, come on, if it's not meant to be there, it's not meant to be there. Don't just gimmickize it for Broadway. Right. Um, but I'm fine with what I did yeah. for love because there, I think it's great. I think it's a fantastic tune. There is, I'd love to, our our second thesis um, about <laughs> musical theater songs where they take away context a little bit to make it more of a pop song. Things like yep. contemporary examples like Defying Gravity. Um, yep. If you ju- if you don't know Wicked and just listen to Defying Gravity, it could be you know a Lady Gaga song. Um, like it's yep. just it's losing really, my mind. Lies losing Benelli's my mind. Pop hit. Uh, let's let's talk about Let It Go. 
Um, let it go, yeah. let it go, can't hold it back anymore. Like, that's not about old Snow Queen. Um, I, I think I am one with the wind and sky is as close as it gets yeah. to being explicit uh, explicitly about the story. And, of course, is wonderfully appropriate in context. And you can, you know, the, con- the contextualization around the whole thing is what makes it make sense. But the same mm-hmm. thing with um, what I did for love. Yeah, totally. So I don't mind that it's a bop because, <laughs> hey, it's a bop to end all bops. That's true. Um, and it's like, it's it's so important in the yeah. show. Yeah. And it's, it's empowering. so important in the show. Yes. Like, that it is literally, it encapsulates everything the show is trying to say. Now, one of the, I mean, the main reason why they hate it is mm. because it doesn't forward the story. Yeah. That's the reason why they hate it. And like, sure, that's fine. But I feel like it's, the define you know if there was a song in the show called a chorus line mm-hmm. it's you know title track it is what i did for love the show yeah. itself could be called what i what did, I for, did love. for love yeah that's true it wouldn't have sold um, as well but it definitely wouldn't have yeah. Uh, um, but yeah it's 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 perfect you know so, yeah. apocryphally um it's called mm-hmm. a chorus line as opposed to chorus line so it's listed right? first alphabetically in Broadway ah. listings and ticket listings. Um, who, Endlessly who knows, smart. But definitely I a story so. that gets told. Fun, fun fact. Um, so obviously it's Edinburgh Fringe time at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, at the start of the Edinburgh Fringe guide, you will always find a show called like, ah, <laughs> another comedy show with like, 12 A's and there's always a fun competition to see who can have the most amount of A's uh, to to win, uh, basically, and be first listed. And to those people, I say, you're sad. <laughs> so there you go. Um, excellent. Let's talk about one, Tommy. I think one, uh, one is such a fascinating song. Um, yeah. Because one is, at least in the context of the show, from the show that they're casting. Um mm-hmm. And strangely, it's just a chorus number. If you try to analyze it too much from the perspective of the show that they were maybe casting and performing that they never give a name to, it doesn't actually yeah. make any sense. Um, but of course, that's not the point. Um, yeah, exactly. But, and we, we hear one twice in the show. First when they learn yep. it, and then as the finale. Um, yeah. And I think the, one of the first fascinating parts to me about one is the part where the lyrics drop away. And they start singing their like dreamlike dance moves. Oh my god! It oh is. Oh my god! It's so bloody good. It's, it's so, so good. Good, good. And it's like the perfect simple embodiment of a thing. You know, I'm not a dancer, but I've been in musicals. I do that. You know, step yeah. flap heel heel brush heel toe heel kick. Like exactly. I, exactly. I've got that in a piece of underscoring for under Dolly or for Hello Dolly in my mind right now, and I will right. never forget it. Mine is mine. This will sound weird, but I know it is. I'll never forget that till the yeah. day I die. Yeah, and there are these little, and it's it's so it's part of what makes this such an empathetic and human kind of story. Is like 
that's a that's a solution you ran into. That's a solution I ran into. It's one I would imagine neither of us were explicitly taught. Um, yeah, exactly. But, but it's something that you do in this kind of context, and something uh-huh. that like someone who has never seen a musical, never been on stage, where this is a totally alien concept to them. At that point in the show, where it's like they start whispering their choreography to themselves. Yeah, you're like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. Uh huh. Well, I mean, it's it's really set up from the very get go. The first lines being step, kick, kick, leap, kick, touch again. Yeah. Um, so you're already thinking of dance moves. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, so when they're going into it and using their own ones, yeah. Um, it doesn't feel alien. Yeah. Um, but that number is first of all so challenging. Oh yeah. So challenging. It's so difficult. Um. Second of all, uh. Yeah, just so weird. Yeah, Do you know, what I mean? like it's a weird little number to stick in there. Yeah, um, because it's a, a kind of the framing for the number is obviously that they're learning it in the rehearsal, um, but it's also used as a kind of a, a background to Zach and Cassie's kind of face off, mm-hmm. um, where they're. Uh, kind of breaking down he's asking her why are you doing this why you're too good for the chorus um because she's just kind of been popping her head too much all over the place right um and he kind of makes her look at them and they go all manic um and it's very rigid and militant Mm -hmm. um and he's like you don't want this and she's like no i do because everyone's special and it's it's a whole thing so Um, then on on that very militant (laughs) mechanical topic how do you feel about the reprise of one, the finale, where it's yes. part of the show? Like, this well, is... Well, there you go. Yeah. I want to know what you feel about it. <laughs> I just think... Well, I just think it's... I think it's so special. I think yeah. it's really special. Because, again, the song doesn't mean anything. Right. And it, like, purposefully doesn't mean it. Like, yeah. it's like there's 12 layers of not meaning anything here. Yeah. Because it doesn't mean anything because... It's not from a show, first yeah, of all. It's, it's right. not from a chorus line, the show that we know. Um, but it doesn't mean anything to really galvanise this fact of all these people have just been fighting, like sweating blood to try and get into this line where they're singing something that doesn't mean a single thing. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's not changing anyone at all. Yeah. Um, and it's so vapid. Yeah. I, um, and I think that is magical. <laughs> one of the, uh, you know, like when you're a child and you'd like turn on and start remembering things about existence and life. And then yeah. I have a similar experience with musical theater later in life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And like starting to remember the times where I saw a piece of musical theater and had a conversation about it and had an opinion about it beyond just mm-hmm. like kind of it letting it wash over me as a, you know, 10 year old. Um, and yeah. one of the first visceral arguments I remember having with one of my best mates in high school um, was about the ending of a chorus line and whether or not right. it's a happy ending. Um, yeah. And nowadays, as like a teacher of theater, I would say, well, you know, it's the reason we're arguing over this is the best part of this ending. It means they did it well. But I do mm-hmm. think like it's a song called One in a story about individuals. It is militant and mechanical and all the same. And like, they got these big fake smiles on their face and there's something very dystopian about it. Um, Yeah. And it like, it also fades out. Like there's a lot of things that make it really creepy. Um, Yeah. 
But also, we've been watching this, you know, America's Got Talent reality competition of who's going to make it till the final thing. And we've been following these people all along and really nervous as to who stepped forward or who steps back and if we're going to switch it this time. And like, yep. how exciting. They really need this job and they got it. And we made it to the end and this is what they wanted. And is it what they wanted? You know? Like, exactly. Because they just blend in all of yeah. a sudden. Yeah. It doesn't matter who got what. Yeah. Um, also, I think I one of the things that I find really interesting about the show um and I think everyone knows this story. So originally, um, they would choose on the night who won, basically, who got the order, who booked the gig, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it would it would change every night. Um, but audiences hated it because Cassie wasn't winning, mm-hmm. um, and the need to see Cassie winning. And as soon as they put that into the show, and as yeah. soon as they fixed the the line. Um, you know, they were getting standing ovations every night, which is perfect. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's really interesting because some there are some of my favourites who don't get in. Yeah. And I I'm, I do just kind of get filled with a little pang of like, oh. Yeah. And I wonder how they, cho- like how they yeah. decided Mark's going to get in, Val's going to get in, mm-hmm. Gregory's not going to get in. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Christine's not going to get in. Especially someone like Christine. She's so beloved, but yeah. she's so lovable. Well, and I think that's that's the fun part. I've, one of the discussions, and I might have brought it up on the podcast. We've done so many of these already. Um, yeah. But uh, I remember a very heated discussion we had in, in theater college about mm-hmm. other kinds of tangential performances that aren't theater. Um, things mm-hmm. like, you know, church functions or especially sports games. Um, yeah. You know, you have people doing a thing and people coming to see it in a place. There's a lot of similarities there. Um, yeah. But, you know, you can also just, you, you're already thinking of the differences in your mind. What is it yeah. that make people so passionate, say, about sports teams and sporting events yeah. that doesn't quite translate to theater? You know, people buy season tickets to football all the time and have teams that they root on all the time. And why don't we get that in theater? And I think part of it is in sports, you very explicitly don't know the ending. And so you're there to see how it ends. And like in theater, we're going to tease the ending at you or you might know what it is or, you know, it might end happily ever after. But one of the fun things about a chorus line um, one of the interesting things about a chorus line, which also I think adds to the success of Spelling Bee, that's probably the podcast where I talked about it. Um, yeah, I think is it like was. You're, you're following a competition. You're following, and there is some pretend of like, I don't know how this is going to end up. And you've seen the whole, like you should be able to judge the audition as accurately with all the same information as all the characters in the show. And yep. there's there's something really moving about that. Yep. Yep. Um, I want to like leap on something you said earlier, okay. pounce upon it, tear it to shreds. Um, when you compared it to American Idol. <laughs> this is much better than American Idol. Right. So it really, really is. So this is this is a little <laughs> shout out. This is a little shout out to all of the um of like the fledgling directors out there. Okay, mm-hmm. this is Jimmy's plea on behalf of a chorus line, the musical. Um, <laughs> watch every little step. Yeah. If you're wanting to direct or choreograph or, or kind of even just cast a show, 
watch every little step because that's what good casting is. Mm-hmm. That's how you should be behaving. Yeah. Um, it is not about doing your best Simon Cowell impression. Mm-hmm. It's not about scaring your auditionees. Oh, yeah. It's 100% about making them feel nurtured, about making them feel special. Yeah. They're exposing themselves to you. Yeah. And you need to create the most comfortable place because that's how you're going to get something out of them. Yeah. You're not going to get anything out of someone who's petrified of you. 100%. It's useless. Yeah. If, if, there's, if there's room up on that soapbox with you... Um, yeah, there is. is. Come up. <laughs> Thanks. Step, step, step. Um, yeah. I see this in educational theater all the time. And it drives yep. me bonkers. Like, you know, I I think there are a lot of high school drama teachers out there who are on a bit of a power trip. I think there are a lot of teachers out there who are on a bit of a power trip. Uh, it comes yep. with the territory. Um, and auditions, educational auditions, should you should put as much thought into that as you put into the rest of the show. Because, you know, all of those things that Jimmy mentions, like making sure you get the best performance out of people and doing these things, you know, to make sure you're nurturing and building this um, artist, but also you're working with children. And this, you know, this destroys people. Auditions are some of the most stressful experiences in people's lives. And... If you forget about that for a second or even go in with the like, ha ha ha, and now I will line you up and walk up and down with a clipboard. Like, who do you think you are? Stop it. Um, my in the audience and that's I had a, my high school director. She would always say, we are here with the same problem trying to solve it. There's a show yeah. in three months. I need a cast. You might be that cast, and we're all working towards the same goal. And yeah, it drives me bonkers when people do anything else. Exactly, and I don't get like I just I don't understand what yeah. you get out of it. Like it doesn't people... feel good to be mean to someone. Like yeah, no, I I think you're exactly right. I think it's because being mean to people in an audition makes good television which is why it's american idol and then too many people have watched these things and have decided that's how the professionals do it yeah um they tried to fight in every little step they tried to fight for that they tried to fight for it to have a Mm -hmm. an element um but the producer was just like absolutely not like because it's not how it's done that's not how we do things on broadway yeah people might tell you that like oh it's so cutthroat you know everyone they won't even look at you and you obviously see all this stuff on tv but that's because it's on tv right that's because it doesn't mean anything it adds more drama to it that way but exactly save the drama for the stage like Uh uh-huh and don't just don't foster that because it's not it's not good. It's not conducive to anything. Don't be that. Don't be that person. Yeah. Be the good. Be the good guy. Yeah. You know what I mean. So there, there you go. Because yeah, how, God, like how many, how many kids do you know that have said, "Oh, I'll never audition again." It went yeah. so awfully. Oh, and breaks, the, like, it breaks my heart. Exactly. Like in the, in the choir that I work with, 
um, when we were auditioning, you know, we had people who literally were adults here, adults Mm -hmm. who hadn't auditioned for like 10 years Mm -hmm. because they had a bad audition or someone mistreated them. And from a creative standpoint, it's it's not on. It's not on, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) It's not on. I like your Scottishisms. Do you not say that? It's not on? It's not on. I only say it when I'm talking about the it being dark in a room. Oh, okay. I didn't really did I know that that was the Scottishism? I'll take it. I like I'll it. It, it might be it might be a British like a UKism. Um I like it. I'm gonna use it, but I don't know if I've ever heard yeah, anyone please, in America say do. it's not on. Yeah, that is off. <laughs> you were so <laughs> off. But, but yeah, use it, yeah. not on. It's not on. Um, Briefly, we should yeah. talk about montage because I think it's important in the history of musical theater. Um, Absolutely. Montage did it first, Stephen Sondheim. Take that. Um, <laughs> I, I mean that very honestly. You listen to yeah, Montage absolutely. and then listen to the beginning of Into the Woods and listen to Weekend in the Country. And like, yeah. this is the first Sondheim song that is Sondheim as we know it, not written by Sondheim. Um, yeah. A massively just multiplayer number. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god, that's exactly what it feels like. Yeah. It's like you get to play with all of your characters at once. Yep. It's that moment in like the Avengers where everyone comes and lands down yeah. and they start fighting together. It's it just just like that. Exactly. Um, and it's certainly, you know, we we are morphing things here. Like there are like think about Quintet from West Side Story, but like that was Oh yeah. special. Um and was a bunch of reprises all bunched together. Whereas Mm -hmm. montage is a new piece where everyone's singing about the same thing or different things that gives you a feeling Mm -hmm. that isn't particularly about an individual character or an individual character's exposition. But it also is about that, too, because it's filled with you like you introduce, you know, tits. When am I going to grow tits? And like, I, you know, I hope he doesn't call on me and like all these things surrounded by everything else, which makes it. Like that's the that's the murder mystery bit. It's like where the clue is in the background, and it makes it yes. feel so much more clever when it comes out later. Ah, montage is great. There's so much, and in that lyric as well, there are just so many interesting little tidbits. And if someone would like to tell me what life is an ashtray means, then <laughs> please tell me. Life is an ashtray. Maggie sings that. Why does Maggie sing that? What does that mean? Does it just mean life is crap? Maybe that's how I would interpret it. Yeah. But it's but it means more than that. Like life is an ashtray isn't just life is crap, is like life is the detritus of cigarette smoke. It's a metaphor. It's the same way like um, you know, life with dad wasn't much of a picnic, more as a com- more more like a more comes as you a are. You are yeah. and, like there's something more in that than like it's not just that life with dad wasn't a picnic. It's a come as you are. As yeah. and, like come as you are isn't, you know. That's a, a maybe obtuse saying about a very particular kind of party gathering, but all yeah, yeah. It's that's the deep metaphorical uh, Edward Cleveland lyrics in this. That exactly are fabulous. but I just love that life is an ashtray. Also, pedidle. That's a word. Yeah, that's in there. <laughs> I, yeah. Every time I listen um, to montage, I hear something new. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's all in there. That's I mean I guess like having done the show I kinda know what's all right, in there. You know but it. just keep yeah. listening. It's yeah. all there. It's great. Um finally of our music in our music section, this has been about forty minutes long this section. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um it, it, we don't even need to talk about it long. 
music in the mirror yeah how does anyone do that yeah probably the climactic song of the show up there with paul's monologue yeah so yeah it's it's kind of like the dance monologue yeah. in many ways yeah. do you know what i mean um so this is cassie's number mm-hmm. um where she basically just pours it all out for for zach to be like all I ever needed was the music and the mirror mm-hmm. and the chance to dance <laughs> for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's again it's in a way kind of like what I did for love. It's that confessional that any dancer can appreciate. Just that mm-hmm. moment where you get to just dance in the mirror and experiment and play mm-hmm. um, and just enjoy dance. Yeah, um, is so so special and so important. Yeah, but. How the hell do you go from like a five minute long dance break oh, where you're, you know, it. eating nails to then play me the music? Yeah. Like, without, like, uh, <gasps> yeah. Exactly. It's insane. I will also say a chorus line is a masterclass in how to title your songs. Um, this is, <laughs> this is where I, I might slight pour one out for him, friend of the show, Dave Malloy. Um, yep. There's something to be said about giving a song a memorable enough name that relates to the content of the song that also does not give away the heart of it. The The textbook exactly. example is Dance 10 Looks 3. There's a very exactly. important reason that song is not called Tits and Ass because Tits and yes. Ass is a laugh line. And yes. if it was in your program when you walk in, you don't get that impact. But... Music in the Mirror does the same thing in a different kind of way. It's a song about, yeah. it's, it could be called, um, you know, All I Ever Wanted, um, or like, Give Me a Dance. Like, there are a bunch of lyrics that are perhaps more explicitly descriptive of the content of the song, but mm-hmm. you want to you wanna hide it a little bit. The Music in the Mirror mm-hmm. is obtuse and is, you know, just just enough to get you interested and help you remember it. And this whole, you know, sing is the same way, at the ballet is the same way. These are songs yeah. that are about that, but really about something else. Yeah, we haven't even talked about at the ballet. I know. Oh my God. That's, we're gonna... Know, it's, it's all so good. The whole show's great. We, you know, <sighs> and hit us up in the Reddit. We'll talk to you more about it. It's all fabulous. Yeah, we haven't exactly. talked about the tap combination and... Uh, (laughs) all of the but the tap combination is so important because that's like the drama and oh no is it gonna work again i know but just uh i'm just having flashbacks to learning that (laughs) and it's the most now i must say in terms of book writing yeah it's one of well no but it's also really good so it's so tedious it's so tedious to watch because it's the same routine like 12 times you do get the occasional fun line from connie um (laughs) And then it, it climaxes. And right. I, well, let's not spoil it. Let's keep let's keep it because even if you listen to the cast recording, you wouldn't know what happened. You wouldn't know. Yeah. And if you watch the movie, you're just going to be disappointed by how bad it is, and you're going to forget. Um, yeah. So exactly. you'll never know. <laughs> you'll just never know. Sorry. Um, but yeah, oh my god, the tap. I think the grand paradox of this show is how much choreography is in the audition that is not in one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. I know, because I'd love to see this show and, you know, the show that they, they audition yeah. for. Yeah. And just the fact that the audition, you know, in God I Hope I Get It, mm-hmm. how that 
yeah. then fits into the same Where, show as as one, one as the tap combination, which is very thirties. Yeah, in the in ballet the, like, in the seventies because it's still ostensibly set in the set. Like, what is this piece of this? Is the I said it earlier it? when if you analyze it too much, the musical they're in doesn't make any sense. Yeah, maybe or that's is my it wa- actually like the best musical. I wonder, like, I wonder if someone out there is going to do give it like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Right. And one day we'll see, like, yeah. I don't know what it could be called. Something <laughs> right. weird, something stupid. Yeah, it'll be it'll be called She's the One. Um, it could be called She's the One, actually, obviously, because yeah. that's the finale number, and yeah, yeah. Or he's the one because that's what the girls sing. That's true, but that's, maybe just you know. it's called the one, the one. One singular sensation, every little, and also how iconic is oh my god! No. Right, need to stop. <laughs> to be welcome to our five of the Jim and Tomic Chorus Line podcast. Exactly, I'd be totally down for that. Oh my goodness, it's so good. And point me toward tomorrow. We did what we had. Tommy, Christmas has come and gone and gone. (laughs) (laughs) That was a chorus line. That was a chorus line. You're going to have to wait till the sequel. A chorus line to Electric Boogaloo. I cannot wait. (laughs) Oh my God. What happened next? Something like that. (laughs) Or like uh, do that, like a chorus line, the teen years. And it's like a glee. Oh God, I hate to give people ideas. It's like glee, but auditions. And that's absolutely something that Ryan Murphy is working on right now. I'm sure. Um, But I think it should be set in the 90s. Ooh, that'd be fun. Yeah, it would be fun with like, just like like Saved sli- by the Bell, slightly exaggerated '90s too. We can like poke yeah. some fun. Be like, "Hey guys, I got a, I got a cellular phone. It's like the size of a oh shoebox. my god, dude! Yeah, 
Yeah, excellent. Done. Um, you're welcome, TV executives. Again. <laughs> Again. Um, yeah. Jimmy, you've, so got a quiz quiz qu- quiz you've got a quiz question I for do. us. I do. Are you ready? So obviously we've just tackled one of the biggest musicals of all time. Yes. Um, this one's going to be a little bit different. <laughs> That's one way to that. put it. Yeah. Um, so, Tommy. Jimmy. In 1985... This musical, conceived and created by a big league lyricist and librettist, and I mean big league. That's true. And it also was a British hit. Mm-hmm. It tried out in a US high school instead of heading straight to Broadway. What is the musical? And good luck with that one. <laughs> yeah, I know. Good luck. I mean, like, see, I'll be really interested to see. It's true. You know, gets. I will say every time I'm like, no one's ever going to figure that out. Someone immediately but, uh, does. Yeah, uh-huh. And every time I'm exactly. like, this one's so easy. Everyone's like, well, I don't know. So, you know, it's yeah. just weird. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, but yeah, so good luck. Yeah. Uh, as usual, if you want to get in contact with us, I'm Musical Mash on Twitter and Musical Theater Mash on the YouTubes. And I am Azan Hendrix across all social media platforms. And, of course, check out our show Twitter, Jim and Tomic, or our website, JimandTomic.com, which has a link to the Reddit discussion and all the wonderful show notes and videos we've talked about during this podcast. And you can talk about us, talk about, talk to us about this on Reddit. Or us. You can talk about us, about, yeah. talk to us about us if you want. Or talk to the YouTube video about us. No, don't do that. I don't want the Jim and Tomic sent me here comments that show up on, no, don't do that. <laughs> No, yeah, please don't do that. Please don't do that. Um, but what you can do is tell all of your friends about us. I got this great music. You're gonna. Cool everyone's going back to school, guys. I found this great musical theater podcast over the great summer. Let's have a party and listen to it. Yeah. Um. Or, or drop us an email. We've been getting quite a lot of emails recently. We have. It's been hard to keep up with. Which great. Yeah. It's and real by, nice. So by, they're they're sweet. So but it's been hard to keep up with. I mean, I just let Jimmy deal with it. Yeah, but that's fine, because <laughs> I'm glued to my phone. Um, and, ladies, gentlemen, everything in between, we will see you next week. Goodbye. Are you holding a carrot? Yes. Okay. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.